Please pray with me. Father, as we come this morning to your word, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts and our minds to receive that which you have for us today. As we consider the life of Jesus and his teachings and the importance of being called to be like Jesus, help us today to be rooted and grounded in our faith, fully devoted to follow you, Jesus, regardless of the cost and grateful for the blessing of being a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we are wrapping up our series on the Beatitudes today. It has been a summer series. I trust that you have enjoyed your time uh, this summer as much as I have, reflecting on the characters and the virtues of those who belong to the kingdom of God. And as I mentioned earlier in our service, uh, sometimes I think we as believers need to get more excited about heaven, but also we need to get more, more excited about bringing heaven to earth because that's really what the emphasis of the Beatitudes is all about. Uh, kingdom people living kingdom lives, bringing the kingdom of God to a world that desperately needs Jesus. People see Jesus in you and me as we live the Beatitudes in this world. I recently read an article titled, We Christians Are Like Animals. It was an article about seminary students in Pakistan that are experiencing extreme violence due to their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, just this past week, nearly 25 churches and Christian buildings, along with many homes of people who are Christian, were destroyed in Pakistan by people who hate Christians. All the devastation, all the destruction, all the heartache, destroying of property and people's lives because they believe in Jesus Christ is a sad reality for so many people around the world. We who are privileged to live in the United States of America, we haven't really experienced persecution like believers do around the world. We are a privileged people who have freedom to live our faith out loud and to live our faith in such a way that we can freely come and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't take that freedom for granted. Please. As brothers and sisters in Christ suffer, we bear that burden. And so we are to pray. We are to pray for our brothers and sisters who are experiencing persecution, and we are to live our lives in such a way that 
Should we have to face persecution ourselves, hopefully we will be as bold and courageous in our faith as so many are who have to suffer because they love Jesus. I am concerned about the ever-changing landscape in America today, and I'm sure you are too. Fact of the matter is we are removing God from schools and civic center faster than we can even say his name. All of this is resulting in a new world that we're all living in as Christians, something we're not familiar with, something that is different, something that has changed. We're living in a world and a society in America today that is becoming more and more intolerant towards Christians, our views, and our values. For so many of us as Christians, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to act. And so oftentimes, I think we fight for the things we shouldn't be fighting for. And we're not doing the things we should be doing. What is so great about the Beatitudes, in my opinion, is that regardless of the political landscape that we live in today, if we but just obey God's word and the teachings of Jesus in the Beatitudes, we can bring tremendous change to society, to our culture, to people's lives. So often, as Christians, we want to change the world through politics. But that's not the avenue upon which the world is to change. It's actually through the gospel. I want to remind you of that today because as we live in an ever-changing world, it becomes more and more apparent and critical how the gospel is not only to influence our lives as Christians, but how the gospel becomes the message that we live out in our lives as Christians. Today, we're going to consider the eighth and final beatitude, and we'll learn that living the life that reflects these beatitudes and the righteous standard of God for the life of a Christian is actually an invitation to persecution. That doesn't sound very inviting, does it? You would think that people in the world would applaud such a person who lives the beatitudes or who lives the kingdom values on earth if for no other reason because of the benefit that it brings to the other. The Beatitudes isn't about you. The Beatitudes is about how you are to be so that you can be more like Jesus. I find it fascinating that the way the world has actually responded to the person who lived perfectly, the Beatitudes, Jesus himself, they crucified him by nailing him to a tree. For those who follow Jesus, we too The more we become like Jesus, the more we can expect the world to be in opposition of of who we are and what we're about. 
the more we can expect to be persecuted as a follower of our Lord. An invitation to a life of being persecuted isn't exactly um, a winsome way to attract followers, is it? If you're new today and this is your first time in the church or you're watching online, you'd be like, whoa, what is this all about? I thought Jesus is like all about happiness and stuff. But why is this guy talking about suffering and persecution? Like as if that's the life Jesus is calling us to. Well, because it is. He's also called us to live a life that will result in persecution, but in we will discover today that persecuted life is actually a way to discover true blessing and happiness. We must take Jesus' words seriously as we accept that people who are persecuted for their faith will actually discover a life of true happiness. So if I was to summarize uh, Jesus' statement in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, I, I would say the big idea is simply this. Persecution and happiness, though they don't seem to go together, those who follow Jesus, God says, persecution can be expected, but the result is happiness in a blessed life. Matthew chapter 5, these are, the, these are the words that Jesus used actually to say this. In, in verses 10 through 12, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven." For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 is actually the eighth of the Beatitudes. And I would suggest that verses 11 and 12 fit together with 10 more or less as a commentary on what Jesus really meant about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. The word blessed is a, certainly a familiar term to us, but I think how we understand blessed so often because of the perversion of the teaching of God's word and the perversion of the gospel by so many uh, churches today and by so many TV people today, we've come to think that the blessed life is all about the prosperity that we gain in life and that if we're following Jesus, that we won't have to suffer for anything, but we will live a very comfortable life and we will get all that we desire and all that we ask for. And that's just flat out a lie. Jesus never taught that. And it bewilders me how many people buy in to the prosperity teaching of a false gospel when it's not anything near what Jesus actually taught. People in the first century would have been so familiar with the term blessed. I want to remind you that Jesus is on the northern rim of the Sea of Galilee and re remember his audience. There were the Pharisees and the scribes. Yeah, 
There, there were the religious people that were there, but then there were the, those who lived their lives on the outer fringe of society, the rejects, right? But they were the listening in group of people. Jesus was actually teaching his disciples, those who were following him. By now, it wasn't the 12. Who knows? Maybe 100, 200? It's guesstimated there were thousands of people who were listening to Jesus' teaching on the Beatitudes that turned into a much bigger sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. They thought very differently about blessed than we do. Rather than a fleeting happiness dependent on circumstances, which is really how we tend to think of blessed, uh, the blessedness that, that Jesus spoke of is, is a deep, abiding, unshakable joy rooted in the assurance of God's blessing and the promises of God's word. the promises that exist for us both now and the present and have a future reality to them also. See, life as part of the kingdom of God should bring profound joy and happiness to us within our soul. We should find a place upon which we are content as Paul says, in any and every circumstance in life. So often our happiness or our blessedness, we, we consider based on our circumstances and God doesn't want it to be that way. The person labeled blessed by Jesus, as one commentator says, represent a counterculture exhibiting values not typically welcomed by people of the world at large. And that's one of the things we must recognize about the Beatitudes is that there's values within the world that the world says we should uphold because they're good for us. And then there are the values of the kingdom of God upon which the world stands in opposition to. And so oftentimes we think of the, the Beatitudes as flipping the world on its head but the reality is the right-side-up kingdom, the right-side-up character, the right-side-up values upon which people in this world should be living are God's kingdom values. It's the world that is flipped upside down, not the kingdom of God. Yet all the Beatitudes, they demonstrate God's reversal of the world's values. And none might stand out more than the eighth beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The qualification for the blessed person who will be persecuted in this passage it's not just your everyday, ordinary Christian. Sometimes Christians are harassed or they think they're persecuted, 
not for righteousness sake, which is the qualifier, but oftentimes because, can I just say it candidly? We can be flat out jerks to people in the world. And if you're persecuted for being a jerk, that's not persecution. If you're self-righteous and you're holding your self-righteous standard upon someone else and you feel the heat of that, that's not being persecuted. That's being a jerk and maybe getting what you deserve. Can you accept that, church? See, what Jesus is talking about is a life of suffering for living according to his standards. Persecution is simply the result of righteous living. I want you to notice what it says here. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where else did we read this? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as in the benefit of the life. It's actually the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now the final beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See these two as bookends. Bookends of the Christian life that begins recognizing we are nothing and we need God. And that by the time we are living a righteous life through the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, as we reflect Jesus in this world more, we recognize that those who are poor in spirit and those who are living righteously are really those who belong to the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be a Christian. Jesus moves from this, this generality of uh, uh, blessed are, blessed are the, with the benefit that comes with it, to verses 11 and 12 that actually change and becomes personal. So while generally speaking, blessed are those who, includes all who are Christians, listen to it now because Jesus is speaking to you and to me directly. Verse 11, blessed are you, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus speaks of three different types of persecution that we can all look forward to when we live righteous lives in this world. What was the first one? You can expect that people will revile you. What does it mean to be reviled? It means to have somebody in your face putting you down, spitting mad, calling you names. I can remember I was in uh, eighth grade and there was a ninth grader who did not like me. And I honestly don't know why, but he loved to bully me. 
And he would oftentimes during break, as I'm in my locker, he would come from the blind side and try to slam my locker into my head. And he would try to knock my books out of my hands. And occasionally he would just get right into my face and call me all kinds of names. And he'd be so mad, spitting mad, he would spit all over my face. This is what it means to be reviled. This is what Jesus experienced when people got in his face. When they questioned whether or not he was truly the Messiah, the King of the Jews. The second thing Jesus said is that you can expect to be persecuted. Well, this is really the pursuit of to cause harm to. Think of the Apostle Paul before he was a Christian. He set out to harm Christians. This is what persecuted means, that there will be people in the world who will come after you and me because we live righteously and we live God's standard in this world. And they won't stop until they harm us. And then the next one Jesus says is that people will uh, falsely accuse us or speak falsely against us, evil and false accusations, which is just flat out lies. Have you ever had somebody tell a lie about you and, you and it was, you didn't know what to do? And so on one end, you wanted to totally jump in and justify the truth and defend yourself and all these things. And, and Jesus says, listen, if you're gonna follow me, people are gonna talk about you. They're gonna tell lies about you. And the best thing you can do is just sometimes be quiet. What did Jesus do? Did he defend himself? What did he say? My father's got my back. I'm just going to be honest, not to pick a fight. During COVID, boy, a lot of things were said about me that weren't true. And I'm going to be honest with you. Week in and week out, I wanted to get up here and I wanted to speak to all those false accusations. But I had wise counsel in my life that said, Trin, just keep your mouth shut. God's got your back. Man, that was good advice. It's hurtful, isn't it? It's hurtful. But this is the kind of life that Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you can expect. Paul writes of this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You want to be godly? You will be persecuted. Jesus is clear that if you want to live godly, expect hard times. Think about ways in which maybe we experience persecution today. The, the biggest one that I can say is, is likely rejection from your family or your friends, maybe your coworkers. I know people in my own family, they like to mock me and make fun of me and they do it out of fun, right? It's not really that fun. But I can go with it for a while. 
Today, as society becomes less tolerant towards Christians, we find more and more Christians embroiled in lawsuits, threatened imprisonment. It could be us. Why do people hate Christians so much? Well, too often it's because of the way we act. It's our own fault. Sometimes it's for the reason Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. This is John 15. I found John Piper's practical application to these three verses very helpful, and I wanted to share them with you. Because sometimes we maybe consider how in the world um, is the world going to be offended by our righteous standard of godliness in their lives when the intent is to really serve and love others. And yet, Piper gives several examples of how this is true within the world. You might recognize this in your own life, in your family life, in your circles of friends, but if you cherish moral purity, your life will be an attack on people's love for unbridled sex. Think about that. Think about how offensive your life is when you live according to God's standards without pushing any agenda. Your life of godliness and my life of godliness speaks volumes to the world and it offends people because what they see in us is a godliness they know they should have, but it denies them the pleasure they want. If you embrace temperance, your life will be a statement against the love of alcohol. If you pursue self-control, your life will indict excess eating. That stings a little bit, doesn't it? If you live simply and happily, you will show the folly of luxury. If you walk humbly with your God, you will expose the evil of pride. If you are punctual and thorough in your dealings, you will lay open the inferiority of laziness and negligence. How many of you have worked in an environment where your dedication to your job had more to do with your service to the Lord than it had to do with trying to please anybody and yet you made everybody around you look bad. If you speak with compassion, those who are callous will begin to see the sharpness in their life. If you're earnest, you will make the flippant look flippant (laughs) instead of clever. If you're spiritually minded, you will expose the worldliness or the worldly mindedness of those around you. Do you live your life in such a way 
that you're focused on the spiritual things rather than the material things of life. Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Why is this peace important? Because in the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Christians can expect persecution. We must live, we must love, we must lead, and we must speak the truth and grace if we're going to make a difference in our world. The second point this morning is that persecution comes with what the Bible calls and what Jesus says is really a double blessing. All the other beatitudes come with a single blessing, but this beatitude comes with a double blessing. How awesome is that? Listen to this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share what they are. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the first blessing. For theirs and theirs alone are the people who belong to God's family. That's the first blessing. We get to belong to God's family here and now while we live on earth. We get to experience fellowship with God. We get to be in his presence. We get the Holy Spirit in us. We get the power that raised Jesus from the dead in us to help us accomplish all the things that God wants us to do, to live the life that God wants us to live. We here and now get to experience God. That's the first blessing. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. I have to just pause before we get to the second blessing. But did you hear that? Rejoice and be glad. What in the world? Who does that? Yeah, I had a great hard day today. I really suffered for the Lord and I'm glad about it. I mean, that's just not how we are. Yet, if hardship isn't a part of our lives, how are we ever going to grow? How are we ever going to become who God wants us to be? Here we get to the second blessing. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. That's the blessing. We get to experience God here and now. That's the first blessing. The second blessing is that we get to experience God eternally in heaven and our treasures are not stored up for us on earth. They're actually stored up for us in heaven. The double blessing. Here and now, then and there. When we live like Jesus, we can expect to be blessed. We can expect a happy life but we must understand what blessed and happiness are really all about. And when we're persecuted, we can recognize we're in good company. What did Jesus say? Well, he said this, for there were those who were persecuted, like the prophets who were before you. Wow. In Acts chapter 5, if you remember, Peter and some of the disciples were, were uh, facing some of the religious leaders. And Acts 5 verse 41 says, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of his name. 
the name of Jesus. You know the saying, right? No pain, no gain. One of the t-shirts that I won from a pull-up competition when you go to like state fairs where the Marines have their thing, it says, pain is weakness leaving the body. Love to wear the shirt because it made me feel tough. No pain, no gain. This is true in the Christian life as well. Sometimes the only way that we can grow is through pain. I have children who are growing and they talk about their growing pains. Persecution is character forming. I don't know why God uses hardship to grow our character so we can become more like him. I don't know the why behind it, but what I do know is he does. And if we're willing to accept it, we will grow and we'll become more like him. And this kind of persecution and hardship that we will face as Christians actually will lead to a life of being blessed. Romans 5, Paul says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know what the Beatitudes are? They're a portrait of Jesus, and they're a portrait of who we are becoming in him. Think of that. Your life as a Christian, one who is dependent on God, one who mourns or has heartache over the sin in your life and the sin of the world, one who finds themselves living in humble submission to God, not to my will, but to his. One who truly hungers and thirsts to live rightly before God because it pleases him. One who's willing to jump into the trenches and meet people where they're at with mercy, forgiveness, grace. People who are living a life of purity so that we can clearly see God. Being a peacemaker so that others can come to know God too. And we can help others live rightly in relationship with each other. And finally, we're becoming people who when we suffer unjust persecution, we realize that it's the pathway to the happiest life we could ever live. It's twisted, isn't it? But it's God's way. So let's not be afraid of being persecuted. Live expectantly that living for Jesus will cause suffering in your life, but will also lead to blessing and happiness as a result of that suffering. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in your word.
We give thanks for the encouragement that we can gain as we live for you, God. Thank you for Jesus, your son, who lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we deserved to die so we could gain a righteousness we could never gain on our own. Jesus, thank you for your words. I pray that we will live into them faithfully and obediently. And as a result of our lives being faithful to you, that God, you would be glorified in us and others would come to know you through us. Thank you for a time over the past several weeks as we studied the Beatitudes. Help us to be more like you in every way. Jesus' name, amen.